It's show 95 of the Rim Pro Report. Today, Mike Faber of JK Moving and the latest industry news. Uh, this show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. What I know is that the staff at O'Neill are committed to your success. The sales team, management staff, technical support people, customer service, the research and development team, a whole bunch of them are all working to support your rim service business, doing really cool stuff. And you know what's so cool about it is not just where it is and where it's been, but where it's going. And and the whole group of them are trying to make some really cool stuff happen. If you want to learn more about them, you can do so at O'Neillsoft.com. You know, it's the end of June, and we're halfway done the year. Oh my goodness, yikes, let's get this show started. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim Support Services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. This show is full of interesting information. Stories. Yes. Important product and service reviews. Yes. And a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators. Shred and destruction vendors. Media and electronic vaulters. Scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to this week's show. As I said, it's the end of June. Wow, I can't believe how fast this year has gone. I'm glad you're here. If you've missed the last few weeks, be sure to check those shows out. Uh, Mike Hyland of Grace Records and Information Management in Australia was on the show last week. The week before, Joe Nezzi of Retrievex. Then uh, before that, Shredder Mom, Evelyn Jefferson of Allegheny was on the show. And then uh, before that, well, we got lots of great stuff we're fast approaching 100 shows can you believe it 95 shows great stuff great information and you don't always have to listen to the most recent one to get great stuff feel free to peruse the site uh, rimproreport.com and find interviews with great people from this industry the cool part to me is there just keeps being more cool people to interview and uh, that's what we're doing today today we're talking to mike faber mike is vice president of the archives division for jk moving services they're based in the sterling virginia area mike is a longtime industry insider he's a noted industry historian and he's also doing some cool stuff outside the industry as well that I want to chat with him about. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. But as always, before I get to Mike, I want to catch up on the latest industry news. Hey, acquisitions continue to happen. Access Information Management announced last Thursday, just after the show aired, of course, that they had acquired Priority Shred and Priority Archives of Boothwin, Pennsylvania. This is the first acquisition in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic region for access. Rob Rydell, former Priority Archives Manager, will step into the role of Branch Manager for Access. Congratulations to Jerry Frey and Rob Johnson of Priority on the Sale and to Rob Alston, John Tendo, and the entire team at Access on the new acquisition. Hey, this week, 220 Records Management announced the acquisition of InfoStore Records Management of Edison, New Jersey. 220, if you don't know them, is owned by the private equity firm AUA Private Equity Partners and has to date made three other acquisitions besides InfoStore, including Arizona Record Storage Center in Arizona, uh, Certified Records Management in Florida, and Store Retrieve in Southern California in the East LA area. So congratulations to 220 on this, their latest acquisition. 
And other good news, our good friends at Data Chambers Records Management in Winston-Salem have changed their name to Core 365 Information Solutions to reflect their around-the-clock services. The name changes in response to the sale last December of the sister company, Data Chambers, to North State Communications of High Point. Congratulations to Andy Brown and Chris Kelly on their new name. And congratulations are in order to our exclusive sponsor, O'Neill Software, on attaining the new gold certified status in the Microsoft Partner Program with a competency in ISV Software Solutions. That's pretty cool stuff, but you know, that's just not enough. In addition to attaining the Microsoft Gold status, O'Neill Software was also recently granted Gold Motorola Partner Empower status. So great news for Ian and the entire team at O'Neill Software. That's lots of good news this week. If you have news you'd like to share, if you're hiring, if you're buying, if you're you're acquiring if you I don't know if you got a really cool award let me know I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to share it with everyone else who comes and listens to the show each week so yeah get a hold of me brimproreport.com uh, you can email me at tom at flourishpress.com either way I'd love to hear from you and tell others about your cool stuff hey I'm gonna get Mike Faber on the line just hang on a second while I do Faber is vice president of the Archives Division of JK Moving Services based in Sterling, Virginia. Mike has extensive experience in the RIM services industry, but is also distinguished by the fact that he is also a certified records manager. He's a noted industry author and expert, and it's a pleasure to have him on the show today. Mike, are you there? I'm right here. How hey, are you, Tom? Good. Welcome to the Rim Pro Report. I'm really grateful that you've taken the time to spend some time with us talking about your life, your story, what you're doing now. But let's start by talking about the archives division at JK Moving. Tell me a little bit more about what it is and what it does and your service offerings and those kind of things. JK is our archives division is about 10 years old. Okay. We started in about 2000, 2001. And I had been talking to Chuck Kuhn for uh, on and off uh, over the last six or eight years or more. And about this time last year in May, I made the decision to come over to JK. And it's really a, a very nice company, very dynamic company. And the moving divisions of JK are, uh, it's a very large company. Chuck started the company in 82 and we now have about 600 employees out here close to Dulles Airport in the Washington suburbs. Eight, 600 and employees? 600. I was amazed when I uh, realized cow. the company was that big myself. Yeah. The archives division is fairly small, but we've been working at that for about a year and trying to grow that in terms of additional services and expand the record center holdings and had some very good luck over this past year, and things are going very well. So are you offering the full range of what would be considered traditional RIM services across the board? What's the offering? Yes, it's a full-service commercial record center operation, along with the traditional storage and retrieval of documents. We offer shredding services, scan-on-demand, electronic conversion of documents, consulting, pretty much the full gambit. Full range. And so it's a, a very well-rounded company, and we're just focused on growing the business. 
it's been a lot of fun the first year, and we're looking forward to moving forward with it. I bet. Well, it sounds like you've had a great run this last year, getting up and running within the company. And I recall a year ago when you, or, or so ago when you told me about the move that you were making. And I've always sort of perceived or seen JK to be a really interesting and innovative organization. So that's a great place to be. It is an excellent company, and it's got a, a wonderful reputation for high-quality service, which is just a critical aspect because it is a service industry. Yeah. And the Washington market is really a, a terrific focal point for records management services because it's there's so many. Uh, the government itself is potential source of business, and yeah. there are so many businesses in the area. Yeah. We are on GSA schedule here. The schedule's almost completed, and that'll open up a whole new avenue of opportunities for us. Wow. So your story is bigger than the last year, though. I've known you for quite a few years, but for people who don't know you, let's go back and tell your story. How did you first get involved in this industry back whenever it was? What, what was your entry point in the industry, and what got you even thinking about joining it? Well, back in the mid-'80s is when I left. I was with Tab Products for about five years, and I was aware of the records management industry through Tab Products, which is still a very viable company in the records management business. Back then, I worked for what they called their electronic office products division. And although they were a records management-oriented company, I've sold computer terminals for them. My background was really computer sales. But I got introduced to the records management industry through TAB. All my friends at TAB who were selling were selling their records management product line. So I kind of got introduced to the industry through TAB products as I was selling computer terminals. Right. And when I left TAB in 86 or so, I was aware of the commercial record center business, and I went to work for a company called RMI in Northern Virginia. And from there, I went to Paxton in 88 and was at Paxton for 23 years and then made the move to JK just last May. That's a 86 since you were really in, got into the, this side of the business, the records management side of the business. You've, you've been at it a long time, so you've seen a lot of stuff come and go and a lot of changes, and obviously that's given you a perspective that a lot of other people don't have. It certainly has. I'm, I've always been kind of an amateur historian, and one of the things I've enjoyed over the years working with PRISM and with Jim Booth and everyone at PRISM kind of become the unofficial historian for uh, PRISM. And one of the articles that I wrote that that I really enjoyed putting together was an article on the history of the commercial record center business, because I've lived a good part of it uh, (laughs) and seen a lot of the changes as they've been taking place. It really has changed as an industry over the years. And, you know, of course, now moving more into high technology and scanning, you know, it was pretty much just the basic document storage and retrieval back in the late 80s. Right, right. But you you actually wrote that sort of definitive work for the association, didn't you? Yes, I did. I've written, I've, I've had about half a dozen articles published on PRISM-related issues and records management issues, and I 
continue to write a newsletter quarterly on records management issues, and I guess I inherited some of that ability from my dad, who was a writer, but I've always kind of had a knack for writing and enjoyed it. So it's been kind of fun to document some of the history through uh, some of the articles that I've had published and through my newsletters. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I'm going to come back to that writing in a little bit, but somewhere in the years, I don't know when, but tell me about it, you became a CRM, a Certified Records Management Manager. Tell me a little bit more about the impetus to do that and what's that done for you as a result? I started at Paxton in 88, and... As I talk to a lot of records managers and mid-level managers of companies, they seem to be interested in wanting to almost have consulting services as much as they needed off-site records management services, retention scheduling, and just advice on different issues. Right. So I thought if I got the certification that it might first of all, give me a better education and a better background in how to advise clients, but uh, more importantly, give me some some real good reference points and some connections within the industry where I could help guide some of my clients to some solutions that went above just taking care of the physical storage of the records. Right. So you, you went ahead and got that certification, but that's not an easy thing to get, is it? You need to have a four-year degree or two years of experience for each year you lack of having a four-year degree. Then you apply for the process, and after you're approved, you have five years to complete five two-hour examinations. And once you've successfully completed those five two-hour exams, then you're qualified to take the fourth and final part of the CRM examination, which is a four-hour case study. Hmm. And in that, there are two parts of that, and then you defend your paper in front of a board, and then if you, if you pass that, then you, you get the certification. And you're required uh, every five years to get 100 hours of CEU credits to maintain the certification. So I've maintained that certification since I was awarded the CRM credential in 95. Wow. How do you feel like, uh, obviously you went into it for certain reasons, but coming out of it and having that CRM designation and certification, how do you feel like it's actually helped you? Has it done what you, you hoped it would do? I really do think it has. One of the main things it did was it forces you to go through the process of studying those five different technical areas. And I didn't pass the exams on a couple of them on the first time, but I, it, it made you go through that process of becoming familiar with a lot of material that you might not otherwise be exposed to. Hmm. They make some very good recommendations as you're going through that process on some reference materials and books that you need to be familiar with. And just like getting a, a, any kind of a degree or certification, once you've been through that process, it's very helpful when you need to refer to some of that material later. So going through, jumping through those hoops really did, I think, prepare me for having better answers and being a better consultant to my clients. And I really think it did put me in a better position to give good advice to clients and prospects and it's certainly been helpful in terms of opening up some doors yeah. here and there because people assume if you have a certification in your discipline that you've 
done some pretty serious work in terms of trying to be aware of different issues that may come up in that discipline. Does it allow you to walk into sales opportunities and marketing opportunities or, or prospect opportunities with a different perspective, though? Do, like, do you walk in differently with that knowledge than, say, a salesperson that you're training or something who doesn't have it? Do you see significant difference because well, of it? Well, I've... I think it probably gives you a little bit more confidence, and it's certainly an advantage to know that you've been exposed to a lot of materials and you're better prepared to answer some questions. Right. And I think it also, in in some instances, I believe it's helped me just have a more professional relationship with some clients, especially prospects and clients and people in the industry who've been around and made career of records management i think it's it's probably been a more assistance than i'm aware of yeah just in terms of putting some doors it's a subtle thing but it certainly at the very least it's given me a lot more confidence and it put me in a better position to give clients and prospects some sound advice on occasion as well yeah a lot of record center staff or rim service providers will never get that CRM designation. It's too big of a hurdle. But based on what you know, what would be beneficial for them to know? Is there sort of a baseline amount of information that would be more important for them to gain uh, or more important to have as a foundational knowledge that many of them might not have? Well, I think the CRM certification itself, I believe, gives you a very well-rounded background in a lot of different aspects of records management services and the information management field. Right. Like a lot of things, if you're focused on a major in college, there'll probably be a lot of courses that you'll look back on and wonder if that was really that necessary. Right. But you get a full background on a certain subject, and I think it gives you just a better base to move forward from. Yeah. In addition to the CRM, there are a number of other certifications and processes available today which you can almost kind of pick and choose specialties. You know, there's a NAID certification there are a, a number of different certifications, not just the CRM, right? right. But uh, the CDIA. It just depends on if you want to specialize. There are some additional certifications that might be of interest to people. But I think, in terms of general knowledge and overall records and information management, I think the CRM would be the best one to pursue. Right. If you go to icrm.org, then they list all the requirements and give you some very good information in terms of how the process works, how long it takes, and what it costs and everything. Yeah. So that, that might be helpful for anybody who is interested in knowing more about the process. I see that as such an interesting addition. I don't recall if you were, I, I know I saw you in Vegas, but Jim Booth talked in his final address to the uh, the association talked about the new evolving thing about people being, it's one thing to have your paper records in order. It's quite a different thing to have an understanding and orderly 
way to deal with all the electronic stuff. And it was one of his points is that there's an, a real opportunity going forward to become or align yourself with people who understand records management function at a at a bigger level, at a, at a level that can actually help clients solve some of their problems. It seems to me like your CRM designation helps you to go in and think like people do or think like they need to so you can be more than just a service vendor. I think it is helpful in a number of respects, other than just the day-to-day responsibilities. Uh, by the way, that was an excellent talk that Jim Booth gave. He, he's such a good speaker and such a knowledgeable person in our field. I'm delighted to hear that he is going to continue to be involved with PRISM and we'll uh, have an opportunity to see and work with him more in the future. Yeah, yeah. But I think it, he made some very good points. and. Moving forward into the electronic world and some of the issues that are involved with some of the legislation and so forth, it's a much more complicated process than it used to be, and people have, it, it requires a lot more discipline, and I think the certification process and the education processes are going to be things that are going to become even more important as we move forward. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's certainly becoming a much more technical-oriented field than it was in past years. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we're moving away from uh, being a box on a shelf, which has really generated a significant amount of revenue and is often the basis for selling a business. But as I see the future, I, I agree with you. I think the evolution of that technical knowledge and that ability to really be a partner with your clients becomes more and more important. Yeah, it's amazing how the business really has changed. And look, moving forward, it'll even change more rapidly, I think. Yeah. It's paper's been pretty stubborn, though. Yeah. And, you know, it's Thankfully. still uh, it's still a very big, viable business. But I would guess in the coming decade, we're going to see some significant improvements in the cost and the efficiency of the way people can capture documents and information electronically and as we see that take place i would guess that there will be some significant fall-offs on the paper document storage but that really hasn't been that dramatic at at least up to this point yeah so going back to the writing you talked about you've been pretty effective using education as a marketing tactic it seems to me I do a a simple search on your name with the CRM behind it and article after article starts showing up from stuff you've written in Arma and other places. Tell me the the benefit, or maybe first, the the thinking behind doing that and what the benefit has been. Okay, well, I'd be less than candid if I didn't admit that part of my motivation for writing some of the articles was exactly that, uh, yeah. marketing. But I think that, you know, writing articles to educate people on a subject can be a very effective way of marketing. Mm-hmm. There are some issues in the commercial record center business that I think needed to have some light shown on them, and I did that on a few occasions with some issues that I didn't agree with. And I think... It's fair enough if you're objective and honest about what you write and been fortunate enough to have quite a few articles published over the years. 
Yeah. And I think it's a subtle way to get a point across, and it's a it's a, a very good marketing tool if you can help people get to help them make some decisions and shed some light on some issues that otherwise don't get that much attention. Yeah. Obviously, it worked for you because you continued to do it, and it, it's been something that has been obviously effective. That's just my guess based on the fact that you continue to write. The other reason that I continue to write is because I really do enjoy it. Yeah. And aside from the records and information management business, I've had a number of articles published on history, American history, and military history. Hmm. So uh, I do enjoy writing in general, and I've had number of articles published over the years on a lot of different subjects. Well, I think one of the things that I see as so valuable about writing, as opposed to just going out and selling every day, is articles that get published become, uh, to me, a really solid asset. They're something that you don't just you know, you just don't put them out there. They, You put them out there and they stay and they continue to support you and they continue to serve you years after you did the work on them. It is amazing. I uh, get calls every now and then from articles that I've written 10 or 15 years prior. And it's surprising to me that that these things kind of keep coming back. But uh, it's fun and it's always a compliment when somebody says they've read something that you've written yourself. And I get a kick out of it, and I think it, it's, it, it is a good marketing tool and a good way just to share some information and some, some ideas on business. Yeah. What are some of the most important things uh, you are attempting to do in, in your current situation at JK that you think others should be doing as well as it relates to really moving the business forward? My suspicion is that we're in this, we're, we continue to be as an industry in this zone between old world thinking, which is sort of traditional knock on door, pick up the phone and call, and the evolution towards more internet driven, more buyer oriented power, it seems to me. How are you sort of transitioning or dealing with that reality in your business? Well, we're trying to look at the records management and the off-site storage business from the client's perspective. Here in the Washington area, one of the biggest markets is obviously the law firms and the government presence. Yeah. And we're trying to take a look at some of the problems that are related to records and information management from the client's perspective. And as they're looking forward, I think the biggest issue they're grappling with is how do I get all of these documents that are inactive converted into usable information as we move forward? Hmm. That's a big challenge for a lot of companies. Yeah. And I think the key for the uh, commercial record center business in the next five, six, seven, eight years is going to be the companies who can help other organizations and companies address that challenge of what what do we do to get this, how do we move forward into the electronic world and use this information to our best advantage. Yeah. And we're giving that a lot of thought and trying to come up with new ideas where we can help people move forward into that new arena. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. If you had a crystal ball and could predict something, and I know we've kind of talked around the edges of this, but you know, you, you get the freedom to just you know, crystal ball it and you don't have any, there's nobody, there's no bets on this or anything, but 10 years from now, what's this industry look like? 
very good question, and I wish I had a more definitive answer, but I think my gut feel on that would be paper will still be a significant factor. I don't think paper, we've been hearing the uh, about the paperless office disappearing for a lot of years. I remember way back when I was at Tab Products, we came out with that. We were the first company to market that Phillips disc that was that big platter. Yeah. And that was the first time I heard the term paperless office. I don't think we're much closer to that reality now than we were then, to be honest with you. We're moving in that direction, but it's not moving very quickly, I don't think. Yeah. But I think as the next generation of people who will be the business people and the people responsible for records and information management 10 years from now are going to be more comfortable with computer technology, cloud storage, all of the issues that are not so comfortable to people who didn't grow up with, with those technologies being a reality of everyday life. Yeah. So I think we're certainly going to be moving closer to a paperless office, but I think even 10 years from now, there will still be commercial record centers that are viable and still doing business. I think they're going to have to be concentrating and putting a lot of effort and focus on new technologies, and I think the companies who are going to be successful 10 years from now are the ones who have already begun that process. Yeah. But it's a difficult, you know, it's, it's hard to, to make investments in technologies unless you're fairly certain that they're going to be in place long enough to recapture your investments. So a lot of people are just skeptical and not quite confident enough to get into some of the new technologies. But it's certainly going to be a reality 10 years from now. Yeah. I, I would guess that there will be a pretty serious falling off of traditional paper storage, but I still predict even 10 years from now it'll be a pretty viable business. There's something else I heard about you that I find incredibly cool, and it probably relates to some of the historic, you know, your your um, your intrigue with history and being a historian, but something about the work you did to help a soldier receive a Medal of Honor, and that just intrigues me a lot. Can you tell me more about that? Yes, in 99... It began with an effort to get a school named in Alexandria, Virginia, for an Army captain named Rocky Versace. Hmm. Our original intention was to get that school named at Cameron Station for Rocky. We worked real hard for about a year on that effort, and that did not prove successful. It was named for someone else, but the effort generated enough interest in Alexandria so that the city councilman in Alexandria decided he wanted to try and help us get a memorial built in Alexandria. So we pursued that and we continued to work on recognizing Rocky Versace. And so tell me we, tell me a little bit about Rocky just so that I'm clear on who he was and what the He sp- was an army captain who was captured in Vietnam in 1963. And he was a very defiant captive. He would not reveal any information. He strictly adhered to the code of conduct and argued with his captors in French and Vietnamese. And he was eventually executed by the Viet Cong in 65. Wow. He was a 1959 graduate of West Point. We became interested in resubmitting the 
paperwork for the Medal of Honor, which had been submitted by a fellow captor in 1970 and was downgraded to a silver star. So we became interested in the resubmission of the Medal of Honor and in getting the memorial built in Alexandria. And four years after we began our efforts in July of 2002, we dedicated the Versailles Vietnam Memorial in Alexandria. And then two days later, we went to the White House for the Medal of Honor ceremony for Rocky Versace. Wow. So it was a four-year effort, and it certainly had a happy ending. So what intrigued you about that story? What got you to be so passionate about seeing this fulfilled? I've always had an interest in fascination and an admiration for POWs from the Vietnam War. And I've read every book on the subject, I think. As a matter of fact, one of the POWs from Vietnam, who is the historian for the NAMPOW group, they call themselves, he said that my personal collection of Vietnam books on that subject is a larger collection than the U.S. Air Force Academies, and they're the, the official repository of POW information from the Vietnam War. Really? Wow. I've uh, lectured 10 times at the University of Maryland on the POW issues of the Vietnam War. So for me, it's always been a passion, and it was an honor to be involved with that effort. It really was. And so, and somehow that's that's actually had an impact even at West Point, hasn't it? Well, his class made me an honorary member of their class. I'm an honorary member of the West Point class of 59, and all of the Medal of Honor recipients who are West Point graduates have a big plaque at West Point. And I had the honor of speaking at West Point to dedicate the Rocky Versace plaque. Wow. And I think that was in 2005. Wow, very cool. That's a very cool story. You you well, must feel really good about it. it. It was a terrific experience, and it's a real honor to be involved with West Point and with Rocky Versace's memory. Wow, very cool. Well, Mike, it's been a real pleasure. It's great to talk to you. It's great to hear your story of, of your years of service to the industry, and it, it has been that many years. And I know you've dedicated a lot of time and energy, not just to the businesses you were in, but also to supporting and serving the industry as a greater whole. In preparing for this conversation today, I actually did some searching on you, and I, I realize as I look around this industry, which I do a lot. I spend a lot of time in this industry and, well, all of my time in this industry. Your name shows up because people use your articles on their websites, and your presence has been significantly influential in a greater world than just your own business and the companies that you've been with over the years. You've, you've had an impact on the industry, and obviously— in the greater world, in terms of the work you did on the Rocky Versailles uh, Memorial and the Medal of Honor, wow, great work. It's it's cool to know you and cool to be acquainted with you in this industry and appreciate your time telling us about it today. Well, thanks a lot, Tom. I enjoyed being on the program and sorry we didn't get a chance to catch up more at the conference, but thanks for everything and talk to you soon. Well, there you go. Another great story of someone from our industry who's doing cool stuff. Special thanks to Mike Faber for joining us. I loved hearing about the Medal of Honor story. That's what I, I find so appealing is, you know, such great people in this industry and you scratch the surface a little bit and you find even cooler stuff going on. So I'm grateful that Mike took the time to be with us today. And I want to thank you, too, for being with us today. It's great to have you. 
I also want to thank O'Neill Software, our exclusive sponsor. They are committed to leading the industry in, in the best way they can, celebrating over 30 years now. O'Neill Software is installed in more than 1,000 record centers in, I think it's now over 80 countries, ranging from startups to multinationals. If you're interested in being a part of that family, you can learn more about them at O'NeillSoft.com. Well, that's it for us. We are out of here. I hope that you've had a good day. I hope you've had a good show, and I hope that you have a great week ahead. We'll catch up with you next week when we'll have another great one for you. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.